0: listening to The Coronavirus Diaries, Human Rights in the Age of a Global Pandemic, a series of online conversations with experts hosted by the Montreal Institute for Genocide and Human Rights Studies. The Institute is Canada's leading think tank working at the intersection of human rights, conflict, and emerging technologies. As we watch the global pandemic unfold, this series will look at what impacts the coronavirus will have on human rights, geopolitics, and democracy, and what role technology and disinformation will play. This is Kyle Matthews, Executive Director of the Montreal Institute for Genocide and Human Rights Studies. Uh, we're here for another interview for the Coronavirus Diaries, a discussion with experts around the world about uh, human rights in the age of the global pandemic. Uh, today, I'm very lucky to have uh, Jean-Paul Martoz, uh, a well-respected journalist from Belgium. He writes for Les Soir. He's also involved with the Committee to, to Protect Journalists. Uh, he's been involved with Human Rights Watch. He's done some really interesting work with uh, UNESCO on reporting regarding terrorism and political violence. Jean-Paul, uh, we had you up here in Montreal about nine years ago for a, a conference on the response to Protect and Journalist, um, and you also passed through town, I think it was a year, two years ago. Time time flies by too much, but um, we're really glad to to have you join us today.
1: Thanks so much. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad to be here with you.
0: Jean-Paul, maybe just to start with, I'd like to know, um, you know, I was in South Africa about a month ago never saw what was coming, come back. Now my friends were in Cape Town are under lockdown. I had friends that joined me from Rwanda, they're in lockdown. And I'm in Montreal, we're in lockdown. Three different countries, three different places. What's it like right now where you're based in in, in the greater Brussels area?
1: Well, we have been in confinement uh, in the last uh, 15 days, more or less. I mean, it's uh, rather strict confinement. Um, the question is how, to what extent this confinement is really respected. There are a number of cases of police arresting people because they don't respect uh, the, the, those rules. But in general, it seems to be respected. Of course, the, the situation is that it, the economy is just uh, dead in the sense there's not, not that much activity. People are concerned about the extent of the virus, are concerned about the fact that there are many problems in hospitals because of lack of money. Ask for or uh, in Belgium, and it's many, whatever, uh, a government which has no real majority and which had to push for special powers in the parliament a couple of days ago to make sure that they had uh, constitutionally the right to impose a number of measures. So it's a fragile situation. Politically, uh, there's a lot of uh, debates and controversies around the, uh, how the government should tackle the issue, but also as the parties are trying to organize a new government which would have a real basis in the parliament uh, it's confused as uh perhaps to, the way uh you could rationally discuss the issue because there's always a second agenda behind the health agenda there's a political agenda that's that's a bit special to belgium I, I i fear
0: and has i mean brussels is the capital of europe literally <laughs> that's where the european union is headquarters has 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 the european union and all its institutions also they must also be on on lockdown as well it must be like all governments not just the belgian government brussels but also the eu is now effectively working from afar
1: yeah they, they, they apply the same rules as they are based in in belgium they have to respect the rules that are uh, applicable to anyone living in belgium so yes i mean the eu is still working i can see in Whole number of our initiatives that are being discussed, uh, especially on the economic front, but also trying to organise our common health response to crisis. But yes, it's uh, it's it's a, the, the civil servants within the institutions in Brussels are working mostly online in our lockdown, like others.
0: So Jean-Paul, I, I you know as a journalist, you understand the, the important work that that journalists do of uncovering uh, information, uh, holding governments to account. Um, looking at cases where governments might sweep certain facts under the rug because it it might hurt them politically or individuals in government, I'm wondering what 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 is your take on the coronavirus? I mean, it emerged out of China, and we've we have stories of citizen journalists who reported for Wuhan who have disappeared, uh, other people who criticize the regime. What what is your view on on how? Criticism of of any independent voices, journalist or citizen journalist, has led us to this stage. Do you think there's a there's a link to, there?
1: Yeah, I think there's. I, I wrote a piece a couple of weeks ago uh, concerning censorship and. It's linked with uh, outbreaks and pandemics, and uh, the history shows clearly that uh, censorship is a uh, so-called state or censorship, and was the direct link between uh, the presence of censorship uh, and the impact of, of the flu. And so there are a number of cases uh, in the history where you can really make a link between uh, the lack of transparency, the lack of freedom of the press, uh, state censorship and uh, the impact of the crisis. And I I really uh, believe that uh, uh, the fact that in China, there was at the beginning so much pressure not to confirm the existence of a specific crisis, specific outbreak in Wuhan, that people were repressed for trying to uh, express their concern, that there was no uh, coverage in the uh, Chinese media of the the crisis, uh, that there was no real uh, information given to the international uh, society, apart from the World Health Organization, we kept to some extent uh, the issue under wraps. Uh, I think it's uh, it's certainly uh, one of the reasons why uh, the the, the, uh, the extent of the crisis became so acute and uh, went over and. Went into into went abroad to some extent, and so there was a former French ambassador, Michel Duclos, who works with the uh, think tank in Paris, Institut Montaigne. Who said the opacity of the of the Chinese government is part of the reason why we had uh, this this delay for three weeks, perhaps, uh, in failing to address the crisis. And uh, as Mar- Marty Baron uh, wrote in a letter to. Um, the the readers of the Washington Post he mentioned in on on the 8th of January already there were articles in the Washington Post but also there were other articles in international media describing the emergence of a crisis uh, in in the region and so no one can say that uh, uh, there was a transparency on the part of the Chinese government of course now today the Chinese government pretends that it has transparency but there's a doubt which is lurking uh, in all that story and it's certainly one of the major issues that are for me, a, a reason for concern is that when you address that kind of a, uh, sorry, pandemic, you definitely need to have transparency. Is it the only way to create trust among the people? And especially in democracy it's in the sense that if you want to have people ready to, to, uh, to stay at home, to respect a number of, uh, of guidelines, I mean, you, they have to trust that the government not necessarily says what it's really happening because there's a lot of unknowns about the virus. But at least that this government is transparent and really does what uh, it it it's, it should be doing as as a government to to try to uh, inform correctly uh, its its uh, its people.
0: And so uh, that's why I really like the title of your article. Uh, that the French translation was "When Truth Is Quarantined," and I, and I, yeah. I think I think you know that that poses a real danger about the freedom uh, to information, uh, the freedom of expression. To alert each other, and and also when you talk about trust, I I I think there is a wider issue here, of people a trust towards an authoritarian government like China. Um, you know, how much can we trust a country that's imprisoned uh, a million plus Uyghur Muslims and says it's fake news? Uh, We also, when we look at the stats of imprisoned journalists, I believe. That China is also one of the highest ones up there, if not has the highest, highest. number of, of journalists. So there's no free state media. So there is a real issue of of trust uh, I see here. Um, Jean-Paul, uh, another recent development in all this is that Beijing has recently expelled all American journalists. Yes. Of- Territory from the Wall Street Journal to the New York Times. How serious should we take this? I mean, is this a sign of uh, more authoritarianism, or is it going to be harder for us to know what's really happening in China?
1: No, I think that uh, China has wrong. I uh, centered the wrong signals from the beginning. In a sense, first uh, uh, too much delay in, in really informing correctly about what was happening, but, but gravity the crisis, but by I mean who did a great job because they were not there to bash China; they were there to inform on a health crisis, which had deep uh, local implications and international implica- implication is the wrong signal. Because definitely, uh, if you don't have this kind of uh, coverage on the ground from independent voices, I mean, it means that uh, you want either to hide something or uh, the some issues uh, will not be highlighted quickly enough and will not be addressed. And so I, I think it's, it's, it's really a very dangerous uh, game that China is playing by, by basically uh, Refusing access to international correspondents to to to, uh, to 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 the areas where uh, they they want they want to cover the crisis. So yes, it's, and I think that uh, today, I mean, China is trying to uh, to some extent to uh, compensate its bad image uh, as a uh, as a repressor from expression by extolling its virtues by showing that it's sending masks and uh, medical equipment to a number of countries but it, it can't work really because if you have this kind of constant uh, repression of freedom of expression you can't really trust what's going on and i have seen in a number of days in a couple of days i mean after kind of a positive reception by many journalists of the statements by china that everything was going back to normal in in the wubei province for instance people journalists coming back to their uh, sort of a critical sense and saying okay this is what the Chinese government has been telling us, but the Chinese government had, has not told us the story, uh, frankly, uh, in the last uh, two, two, two months. And then they expelled journalists, international journalists. So I think that uh, this is a pretty dangerous game because what we do need definitely in China, but elsewhere, I mean, not only in China, is to have independent observers, uh, international journalists, or international uh, organizations, uh, making sure that the the right information comes to us, because if we have those kinds of very silent zones or black holes of information, it's not only a question of freedom of expression, uh, which by principle I strongly defend, but it's also a question of health. If you have those kinds of black holes, you don't have uh, all the fact that you need to address a very complex crisis, uh, and the medical establishment is really pushing internationally for, uh, uh, I mean, having access to f- all the facts that you can collect. And journalism is part of this huge team of people who wanted to in- to-, to use information uh, as-, as a way to address medically the crisis, but also politically the crisis.
0: Jean-Paul, I- I'm going to ask you just one last question. Um, you-, you touched upon um, how China has, has or the Chinese government and Chinese state media has really Gone defensive, um, trying to rebrand itself as um, you know, almost surpassing the United States as as an actor, helping states. We've seen uh, some people called mass diplomacy, where China has been um, you know helping uh, other EU member countries, Spain, the Netherlands, um, also Serbia with medical supplies, mm-hmm. um, and so some of them have been rejected as being you know bad quality. But but I'm I'm wondering from your views of this what What is the wider european society do they do they see this as just thank you China, for helping us or is there a skepticism that that we're partly in this situation because you put us there and are, <laughs> are people buying the, this mass diplomacy or they or they see it as a, a form of a form of propaganda?
1: There are different forms of reaction i have mean, seen uh, everything in this country uh, in relation to to this question of mass diplomacy I mean some people in the media are extolling uh, the help that uh China is going uh, to give to a number of countries that are deeply affected. And in comparing this help with the, the absence of a European union, for instance, of, of the, the absence of leadership, for instance, of the U.S. So it's, uh, it's true that some people are uh, sort of uh, saying China is doing the right thing. But I feel there is a, you know, a, a high level of skepticism to China, because when you are seen as trying to use that kind of crisis to push uh, your global interest and and uh, sort of a national interest around the globe i mean it's, i'm not sure that it's it's really working because it's it's a moment when the world should be working together if you imply by by the fact that you are sort of a, a showing your own um system of assistance as as part of a propaganda i mean it, it it can backlash against you and you know a number of embassies for instance of chinese embassies have been Sending on Twitter a number of messages that are actually contradictory to our uh, reasoned information policy by implying uh, some have implied that the, the origin of the of the virus uh, is not in China but in 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 the U.S. Uh, others are are using their own Twitter feed to criticize the the lack of EU response and to and to show the the uh, the strengths of the Chinese response in Europe. All this, I mean, I, I don't think it works. It would work on a long term basis as a basis for propaganda for China. I think it will backlash against China if they do too much around it. I think today there is an expectation, and in, in, I, I feel it in reading lots of articles and listening to many interviews. Does does sense that we should, we are all, all in there together. The UN General Secretary mentioned it very clearly, we are all, all in the crisis together. And, and the, the only decent way of addressing a crisis is really to, to make sure that everyone is playing the game fairly. And, and, and unfortunately, we can see, for instance, around the competition uh, to acquire a mask or ventilators, that uh, there's no real uh, sense of uh, solidarity. Uh, it's a sign of a free for all, a law of the jungle to get those marks. That are, and I think that's pretty much, I mean, it's not really a very nice thing to, to say and to see. So, personally, I think that the UN or or an internationally recognized votes should again insist that this is not the moment to uh, try to settle scores and and, and uh, push for uh, sort of national national responses to a crisis which is global and which we don't know how we are going to solve and which might reappear in the next years or so. So we might better try to find a solution on a long term basis based on multilateralism on cooperation and not just on this kind of competition which shows too much it's uh, it's bad ways of propaganda and and, uh, and and sort of a attempt at increasing your own national influence around uh, uh, around the globe.
0: Jean-Paul, yeah, well, I agree with you, everything you said, I think we need a uh, better global response. I think we got to prepare for the long term mm-hmm. and I think you 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 ended with the most important point that we're fighting with each other, trying, but the end game is trying to keep people healthy.
1: Absolutely. That's the
0: ultimate human right. It, it's, it's protect human lives. So I just want to thank you for joining us today and I wish
1: Thanks you me.
0: best of luck in Brussels and continue okay. your uh, work as a journalist.